Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and you're listening to the District B-Sides Podcast, where you'll hear in-depth conversations with council, staff, and community members to take you behind the decisions that are being made on topics that matter to Squamish. Now let's tune in and join the conversation. Hello, everyone. We're recording from the traditional territory of the Squamish First Nations, and today we're going to be talking about climate change and waste. My name is Ian Pickett. I'm the manager of sustainability and climate change at the District of Squamish, and I'm joined today by Shannon White and Jeff Wint. Hi, I, I'm Jeff. Um, I work with the uh, the community here in Squamish, uh, working to eliminate waste. So that's with uh, residents. You might see me sticking my head in your recycling bin, uh, or with businesses uh, and construction companies as well to help keep the wood waste out of the landfill. Hi, and my name is Shannon White, and I work uh, largely with the overseeing and managing the landfill and curbside collection. And I also participate and help out in many other parts of the waste management in our community. Great. Thanks, Jeff and Shannon. So I didn't say this before, but my role mostly relates to waste as it contributes to climate change. So maybe I'll turn it over, turn it back over to you, Jeff and Shannon. And um, it's a question we get a lot. How does our waste relate to the climate and climate change? So there's a couple ways how our waste uh, relates to, to climate change. Um, the first one that we probably hear the most about uh, is with our organic waste. So when our organic waste uh, goes into the landfill, uh, it, uh, it goes into a, an anaerobic or an, an environment with no air. Um, and when it decomposes in that environment, then it creates methane. Uh, methane is a, a greenhouse gas, which is about 26 times more powerful uh, than uh, than carbon. So when we keep that uh, organic waste out of the landfill, we can help to reduce that uh, uh, the methane's emissions coming out of the landfill. The other way um, that waste is kind of related or is related to climate change um, is to do with the embodied carbon of everything that we own and, and everything that we dispose of. Uh, so for every uh, for every product or, or material that we have, there was carbon that went into the manufacturing of it, the transportation of it, and then the disposal of it. So if we can work our way onto that waste hierarchy where we reduce and reuse before we recycle, um, then we're reducing our, our carbon footprint by uh, needing to have less, uh, less products and less materials. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Is there anything we can do with the related to the waste that is already in our landfill? So the waste in our landfills. So um, we do, despite the community's best uh, in efforts to reduce um, the amount of organic material, so wood waste or food waste uh, and others in the landfill, we um, we are we have actually invested in and installed a landfill gas collection system and which is essentially a series of pipes um, and network of different uh, a collection system, which basically pulls that methane that is created by those different uh, materials as they decompose and it burns it in, in short and simple explanation. And it, what's great is that that then is uh, um, reducing the amount of methane that enters there. So just so I, just so I understand the methane gets combusted so how is that actually better because wouldn't that just turn into co2 yes ian you're right um it is burning burning the methane which for the first um few years of the flare will 
create CO2. Um, what our, our long-term plan is, uh, is to monitor that landfill gas and the quality of gas coming out for three years. Uh, after that point, um, depending on uh, what our what our engineers say, that there should be a or could be a beneficial use for it. Um, so at some landfills, they're able to take that uh, the landfill gas and convert it into energy to heat uh, either nearby neighborhoods um, or uh, use that energy at the landfill. Uh, other landfills have been able to convert that into fuel for collection vehicles. Um, and then other uh, landfills are able to actually put that back into the natural gas line uh, to create uh, renewable natural gas. Uh, like I said, we do have to monitor the gas for three years so that we can see what that best uh, beneficial use is going to be. Wow, that's a, that's a really cool opportunity. So we're essentially zero carbon natural gas. That's the hope. Um, you know, while we are able to uh, to burn that methane coming out, it is still really important that we are diverting our organics. Um, like I said at the beginning, the organics is largely what causes that methane, um, but it also takes up a lot of space in the landfill. So if we can divert that organics and get it up to our compost facility in Pemberton, uh, then we don't need to take up that extra landfill space with with the organics. And what what uh, what happens to the organic waste that ends up in at Sea to Sky Organics? Yeah, that's a great question, Ian. So with the organics uh, in, in Squamish and in the Sea to Sky region, we have a really uh, great example of, uh, of what we would call a circular economy. So when you uh, are, are making kit, uh, dinner uh, and you have some, some compost and some kitchen scraps at the end of the meal, uh, you're putting that into your curbside organics bin. Uh, that's going to get picked up every other week uh, by our local contractor and taken up to Sea to Sky Soils uh, in Pemberton. Uh, so next time you're driving up to Pemberton, um, right before you get to Suicide Hill, uh, you'll see and possibly smell the facility just on the left-hand side there. Sometimes it's kind of steaming um, and you can really smell that rich compost smell. It's, uh, it's pretty good if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> from there, uh, they're making a really nice organic uh, compost. That compost gets sold to farms uh, up and down the, the Sea to Sky region, so in Pemberton and, and in Squamish. Um, those farmers are then growing us food. Um, so you'll see those same farmers at the farmer's markets on the weekend. Um, when you buy that food, you're really closing that loop and, and keeping that cycle nice and tight uh, so that we're not wasting our, our food waste. And it's actually coming back to, uh, to help the farmers that help feed us. Interesting. So you've already noted that organics is one of the main things that ends up in our landfill that shouldn't be there. What are other things that when you do audits and really scrutinize the materials in our landfill, what are the other main things that that shouldn't be there that that we typically find? Everyone always is wondering oh, or thinks that what they're throwing out is like the right thing. But actually what we do at the district is we often dig into what folks are throwing out. So we at the landfill will set aside a space and a time and we'll hire a company to really dive into what folks are throwing into their garbages, businesses, um, like multifamily homes, like an apartment building. And we'll t take the time to really investigate versus just kind of seeing when bags are ripped open in the landfill. And unfortunately, what we actually find is over 50% is usually recyclable material or material that could be diverted. 
Um, so a large part of that is organic material. So like as Jeff said, we want to get that out of the landfill. We want to get that to sea to sky soils so that we can create that compost and then have the farmers reusing it and create that circular economy and cycle with um, organic food waste. But then we also see a lot of things like electronics, which could go to the bottle depot or small appliances, which could go to GFL depot site. Um, and then other things that could go to um, other places such as like plastics, flexible packaging um, and uh, metal. So there's all sorts of items that could be diverted from our garbage, but we do see it in the garbage. And really that's what we'd love to do is get that out of our garbage and really just have in our garbage can what belongs there. So household hygiene materials and essentially just keep it to garbage, if that makes sense. Um, should we tell people about the um, about doing an audit on their own? Yeah, so just like we do the audits at the landfill every other year, like Shannon mentioned, uh, residents and businesses can also do their own audits at home. Um, so we do have Waste Reduction Week coming up um, starting on October 18th. Um, and that week uh, is a great chance to, to really take a look at your Take a look at your waste um, and see what you're putting in there. Um, we have some tools available for residents and businesses uh, on the district uh, web pages. So squamish.ca slash waste diversion. Uh, from there, you can find our waste audit tool um, as well as the, the last waste audit that we did as a district. Um, but there's a lot of really interesting things you can find out when you do a waste audit, particularly if you're a business. Um, so you can find out, first of all, what you could be diverting um, whether you need to uh, set up different recycling streams, uh, whether you need to increase your organics pickup, um, but it can also tell you a lot about your processes, what's going on in your businesses. Is there things that you're unnecessarily wasting? Are your suppliers sending you things that you don't need to be throwing out? Um, are there processes where you're, you're wasting food uh, unnecessarily if you're in a kitchen? Um, there's a lot of little things where you can see um, really once you dig into your garbage um, and especially for those small businesses it's really important to remember that everything that you're putting into your garbage it's costing you on the front end uh, through procurement when you buy it and bring it into your business and then it's costing you again on the back end when you have to pay someone to put it in a bin and then pay someone else to pick up that bin so there's a lot of cost savings that can be found uh, through waste reduction um, and not just the cost savings available through waste diversion as well yeah i feel the same way it really like the just even the term waste to me like it's it's a waste of time it's a waste of money it's a waste of resources it's just uh it's something we want to avoid on on so many levels not just not just thinking about climate and not just thinking about the environment jeff and shannon i was wondering if you could um tell our audience a little more about some of maybe the more formal or even informal ways that people are trying to kind of close the loop on on waste in our in our community and and put it to put it to better use. Like I mentioned earlier a little bit, we're starting to see more uh, what we would call circular economy initiatives started. Um, so that's people who either have businesses that are based on keeping materials out of the landfill or just individuals doing that. So over the last year, we have seen uh, a couple low waste or zero waste businesses open up in Squamish. Uh, we do have um, Squamish Rebuild, which has been here for, for a long time, helping to keep that material out. Um, but there's also a lot of uh, online networks. Um, so uh, I 
have a young child. And, and one of the things we found really valuable is Facebook Marketplace. Uh, we can get a lot of clothes, a lot of toys, things like that off of there. Um, so we're helping keep that stuff out of the landfill. Um, and we're also not having to pay full price for, you know, a new pair of pants that she's only going to wear for a couple months. <laughs> And just to jump in, I mean, I love community events and I'm so excited for when we're able to bring those back online and we have such awesome volunteers and a volunteer group partner that we partner with um, Squamish can in the community who has been hosting repair cafes and the reuse it fair and the reuse it fair has been happening for over 10 years in Squamish and it's um, unfortunately had to been been postponed due to COVID but uh, we used to get calls like people were preparing in advance for when is the reuse it fair going to happen so they were starting to put things aside months before it actually took place it's a huge event takes a lot of um hours of volunteers but it's a fantastic way to as jeff mentioned grab things for kids friends neighbors whoever you know needs something there's all sorts of stuff so we're excited for when um we're able to start kind of uh, coordinating and organizing those events um, to encourage the the reuse um, part of uh, of our community. Interesting. So another big kind of attribute of our community is that we're we're growing really quickly. There's a there's a ton of development. There's a there's a lot of growth. Uh, it's a very desirable place to live, and lots of people are are moving here. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk. Both of you uh, chime in a little bit about con the construction, demolition, and renovation industry in Squamish and, and how it contributes to and can be a, a solution with regards to, to waste. Uh, so I'll just jump in first. And um, is that so on the, the landfill side of things, um, we actually, as I mentioned, are seeing a lot of uh, building materials come to the landfill as garbage. And um, not only does that that wood when it decomposes create methane but it also just takes up a lot of space and we do have a limited lifespan on our current landfill uh, so anything we can do to keep um, bulky items like uh, large pieces of wood or kind of construction debris out of the landfill is beneficial for all the residents in the community so um, Anything that we can keep out of the landfill saves us all money overall, and we're able to keep the tipping fees um, well lower, and um, and it's actually um, cheaper to if you're able to sort out those materials at the landfill. Like metal is free, glass is free, wood is cheaper than garbage. So it's it, it takes a little bit of upfront efforts but um, it's actually going to save you money when you come to the site to dispose of. And maybe I'll let Jeff take it on about kind of what's been happening in the community around this because it's so exciting. Yeah, thanks Shannon. So, I mean, as any contractor knows, uh, right now the cost of wood is very expensive. It's very high and you've seen that price go up three or four times over the last two years. Um, so again, this is where that idea of procurement and, and really thinking through the purchases uh, before they come uh, are really key. So are you buying the right amount of wood? Um, can those offcuts be be reused uh, instead of getting disposed of? Um, and like Shannon said, it's also really uh, expensive to put it into the landfill. So if you have 20 tons of uh, construction and demolition material, you mix that all together, put it in the landfill. 
um, it's going to cost you 450 bucks a ton. Uh, so that's going to be about $9,000. Now, if you separate that, um, and we'll assume uh, that the last waste audit we did has, has the numbers for you. So 60% of that is going to be garbage, but 40% of that's going to be wood. Uh, your tipping fees are going to be about $2,400 for the garbage uh, and only about $1,200 for the wood. Now, if you're paying someone 40 hours, 25 bucks an hour to sort that, um, you're still going to save about $4,000 instead of mixing it all together and putting it in a landfill. Uh, so there's definitely cost savings to be made by, by separating that material. Uh, and then we've also introduced recently a new bylaw about demolition waste. Uh, so when you're taking down a building, uh, you'll be asked to uh, pay a deposit uh, on, on the building uh, and then track your diversion throughout the job. Uh, after the job, you'll submit the diversion report to me. Uh, and if you can do more than 80% uh, diversion by volume, then you'll get that, uh, that feedback. So for those contractors working on demolition, if you can divert your wood, your concrete, uh, your metal and your drywall, um, then you're definitely you should make your uh, your diversion percentage. And when once you've diverted that wood, there is the opportunity to to resell that. Um, if, if buildings are being deconstructed instead of being demolished, uh, there's definitely a financial incentive to be reusing that wood and reselling that. And if you don't want to take the time to resell it, Squamish Rebuild will take it as well. Uh, a friend of mine is a carpenter, and he was telling me about how there's the pine that has already been in a in a house for thirty or forty year, years is like the best wood imaginable. It's so much better than anything new because it's basically cured for that much longer. So it's kind of cool to think that an older product is actually a better quality in a lot of instances. Yeah, a lot of our older homes, um, you know, from the nineteen fifties uh, and forties and earlier. They're built, built with almost exclusively that old growth lumber, which has a lot more uh, kind of structural integrity than, than some of the wood uh, that's used in newer homes. So particularly for people uh, who are in those older homes, if it has to be taken down, there's a lot of value in that wood. Um, so again, like we were talking about with the small businesses, instead of paying someone to put that in the landfill, um, it makes a lot more sense to pay someone to deconstruct it, take it apart, and, and then there's uh, you know, potential to, to recoup some of that money through selling that wood. And it's beautiful wood that we want to keep around. And I'd just like to add, I mean, um, we're not trying to make it sound like you have to do all this work. There are businesses within the community who are interested in helping you sort that material. So please reach out and um, don't assume that we're saying you need to do it, but there's other folks that are willing to help you uh, um, make that happen. And the, and the other thing I find really exciting about this is the economic development opportunity. Like decent paying jobs in town, more people, more people working within our community. Yeah. It's really exciting. All right, I think the, the other kind of big pie part of the pie chart that is the that is the waste we see in the landfill. It comes from industrial, commercial and institutional properties, which are commonly known as ICI. So maybe I'll put you both on the spot one last time and maybe you can talk about talk about that a little more. Yeah, so the the ICI sector, um, as Ian uh, was talking about, it actually represents just over half of the waste going into our landfill. So 53% of the waste in Squamish uh, is coming from uh, businesses, it's coming from institutions, um, and it's coming from industrial processes. So that's more than all the residents put together. Um, 
so when we look at that per capita waste disposal, uh, and you know we have a target of getting down to 300 kilograms per person, which we're still above, um, we really need our, our business community to, to step up and, and work on reducing waste. Uh, since 2017, it has been a requirement for all businesses in Squamish to be separating their waste and their organics uh, from the landfill. Um, so at this point, we want to make sure that all businesses are doing that separation properly. But then also, like I mentioned earlier, there's there's a lot of opportunity to actually be reducing that waste. Uh, so even once you've got all your organics coming out of your garbage and, and getting composted properly, uh, there's a great opportunity for businesses to be looking at what they're actually putting in their garbage bin um, and whether that's something they can work with suppliers to reduce, whether that's something that they need to be uh, leaning out of their processes. Um, or if it's other other purchasing things that are causing stuff to go into their garbage, there's always opportunity to be reducing that. Jeff, you were telling me um, you mentioned before about doing a waste audit, and that sounds like uh, you know a really valuable exercise for any household to undertake. Uh, the other day, you were telling me about really aggressive waste reducers and how little garbage some people within our community have been able to uh, produce over long periods of time. Do you mind just for the, the sake of our audience telling us about it? Because I thought it was pretty fascinating. So last year during Waste Reduction Week, uh, we did a challenge uh, for people to, to reduce their waste um, and, and to, to weigh it. Um, we found that some uh, some residents were able to get, you know, a 90, 95% diversion, uh, only producing, you know, a, a kilogram or so of waste or, or even less for some. Um, over a week. So they were able to do that by really taking advantage uh, of the different recycling systems that we have set out here in Squamish. Uh, so we do have that uh, curbside compost um, for all single family homes. Uh, we also have the Recycle BC program uh, in your uh, curbside recycling tote. So that's for all your, all your packaging uh, and your paper products going in there. There's also a great depot system. Uh, so all of your styrofoam, your soft plastics, your flexible packaging, uh, that can all be taken either to, to London Drugs or to the Queensway uh, Recycling Depot. Uh, once you start diverting that flexible packaging, you'll actually be amazed at how little waste there is. Um, the things that are end up just really being tough to, to reduce is, <laughs> is pet waste uh, and some of the other uh, personal hygiene products. Karen Elliott, our mayor, just uh, required me to in, engage at this moment and remind everyone that she won the waste uh, audit challenge among our councillors last year. Um, I had to had to mention that or else I was going to get fired. No, just kidding. Uh, but they I, I must note our councillors did a really impressive job of uh, in the in the waste audit and a number of them uh, achieved quite high levels of diversion, some some with kids in different sizes of, of households, etc. I do think I just, that was a tricky one. Sorry, Shannon. <laughs> pets are definitely tricky. I've got a large dog and it is not possible to get rid of that uh, aside from garbage. I, I just wanted to mention just on what Jeff was mentioning is that like it's not just uh, residential uh, or individual residents who are able to do this and reduce your uh, level of garbage that you're creating in your community and divert and increase your diversion. We've seen huge success with organizations like Quest set up a great system huge amount of communication, great signage, worked really closely with their contracted uh, collection 
collector and they saw I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me but they saw a huge amount of reduction in the garbage they were creating and I used to work for a very large manufacturing company and we did something similar we like Jeff said we took apart our garbage cans looked at the, what was being put in there and really it's about setting up the systems and educating your staff and we saw a huge amount of reduction in garbage we were sent to the landfills in Vancouver at that time and uh, an increase in you know organics that we were creating and 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 cardboard and whatnot. So it is possible. It's not just like a, 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 we're not talking about small companies here. It can be any size of company. It just needs those champions and folks to kind of really invest into it. Yeah, it was interesting. I I used to work at Quest and uh, so as part of like participated in that as a as a staff member and. It, <laughs> There were about six different bins to to put your waste into, and it was by far the least convenient to throw something into the landfill. So it just created that that impetus to to go through the effort to uh, to go through the effort to replace uh, to replace things, and it it really brought a lot of conversations uh, to the forefront. Like we started noticing how many of the whiteboard markers we were uh, we were wasting, and it was it was frankly shocking. Uh, so a few of us started doing some some sleuthing around, and uh, I found on YouTube this video of how you can basically tie a rope, tie a little string around a whiteboard marker, and if you spin it around, the centrifugal course force actually gets more life out of the out of the marker. So a few of us started doing that from time to time, and it was, of course, not shockingly, sometimes the marker would fly off the string, and it was a lot of fun, and it just you know really helped with a sense of community and and. Help and and the process just made us really realize uh, how and where we were we were producing more waste. So, so a really valuable experience for sure. I have a couple of friends who live in multi-family units in Squamish, and and some of them have noted that they find it more difficult to uh, to properly dispose of dispose of waste. So, uh, yeah, just to to finish off our conversation today. Uh, I was wondering if you could both talk about both challenges and opportunities uh, in these larger kind of these larger developments. In in multifamily um, housing situations, so in apartments and townhomes, like you say, and it can be a little bit more challenging. There's often a bit of a distance between uh, your unit and and where the waste disposal is. Um, so there's a couple things that can happen um, just to make it a, a lot easier and a lot more pleasant for people. Um, so often garbage is kept somewhere where it's dark and a little cold, uh, sometimes it's wet. If the strata, make sure the lights work in that garbage room. Uh, make sure it's not, uh, you know, it's not smelly. Make sure it's ventilated. Make sure there's a floor drain. Um, it will make people want to spend a little bit more time in there so that they can actually sort their waste in the waste room uh, in, instead of trying to do it all in their apartment or unit where they might not have as much space. Uh, we've seen some places in Squamish where they're actually painting the walls behind the bins to make it really obvious that, you know, behind the green or in front of the green wall is where all the organics is going to go. Uh, the blue wall is where the recycling is going to go. And, the, and then the gray wall is going to be where the garbage goes. So those big visual cues, if it's um, if it's well lit and, and doesn't smell, people will stop to take the time to to start to divert the right things. And we have seen successes in the community. Um, one of the larger um, complexes in town, Aqua, has uh, had great success 
Um, it was organized by a group of concerned residents and they they really took it upon themselves to uh, sign up with their collection contractor for as many services as they could, as well as they started to offer collection services that that those folks then drove to the depot site themselves. And I mean, not that everyone has to go to that extent, but they've seen, um, I don't know their, the amount that they've been able to reduce or, or divert, but um, they've seen great success. Residents are engaged to the point that they do come and sort, um, just as Jeff mentioned, and um, they even take like styrofoam and batteries. But what actually there's been this kind of cyclical benefit to the strata, probably an unintended consequence, to be honest, is that they also decided to set out um, beverage containers. Um, and so the strata is actually seeing revenue come in through this this you know, increased collection services that they're offering their residents because it's easier for residents to just take their cans down to the, the, the waste room versus drive it to the bottle depot. So there is, it's really, really cool to see how they've made work for their community. And that's not to say that every multifamily home or apartment building needs to do the same, but um, the, it's actually really a shining example in our community on what's happened there. Great, thanks for that, Shannon. So, yeah, just to just to finish off our conversation, I was wondering if maybe we could each go around and share a piece of advice uh, from, you know, our experiences, what we've, you know, something easy, some low hanging fruit, or even something more ambitious that uh, a citizen can do to reduce their waste and, uh, and because of that, re reduce their carbon footprint. I think, um, personally, what I find the easiest, and I, I I live with my partner and my family, is that setting up our our recycling and kind of bin system in the easiest possible manner that fits us and our space. So kind of looking, okay, what where do you know um, beverage cans go, and where does compost go? Do we have a flex package container? Like just the system we have fits us and everybody knows what goes where. Uh, maybe not my four-year-old, but she's working on it. We're working on it. Um, but so I think that for me is like a big thing is just kind of making sure uh, waste reduction is easy in your household. Yeah, I would I would agree with Shannon that making sure that that system you have set up works, works for you and is clear. Um, so in, in my house, uh, you know, we collect our, our soft plastics and our flexible packaging. Um, we just use paper bags uh, that we've been able to reuse for the better part of a year at this point. Um, but we've really clearly written right on those soft plastics and flexible packaging. Um, and then that way it doesn't just look like a, a bag of plastic and it um, is going to get contaminated that way. So keeping it clear um, and keeping it accessible so that it's in an easy spot. So uh, make sure you're keeping your, your compost bin near where you're doing your kitchen prep or beside your coffee maker. Um, rather than putting it on the other side of the kitchen where it's inconvenient to get to. Um, like Shannon said, making sure it works for you is, is going to make it easiest. And we have a fantastic what goes where guide, which you can easily cut up and tape or whatever you want, paste it to your wall or the bin to help remind you what goes in each of those different containers. That's funny you say that, Shannon. That that was going to be my hint was <laughs> a huge 
huge boon to our recycling uh, ongoing effort has been printing out the what goes where and and, and pasting them on each of the each of the bins. Uh, so it's a really quick reference. We're we're always talking about it. Uh, the what goes where app is also uh, also really helpful, and we um, we reference that quite a bit. Uh, the other thing that came to mind to me was food waste. That the as I read more about the proportion of food that we waste in North America, um, like in the order of a quarter to half of the food that we grow doesn't actually get consumed. Um, you know that's pretty shocking. Just economically, environmentally, ethically. Um, so that's something as a family, we've just really, really tried to, to tackle that. Uh, and yeah, in our family, leftovers are a really valuable resource. We're always, you know, who's going to get them for lunch the next day. And, uh, we've taken to, you know, making larger meals and having them feed us for, for two days, which has actually been a real benefit to our uh, family as well. And, and some foods quite honestly taste better after a day, foods like curries and soups. Just gets an extra day for that uh, for that flavor to uh, to really grow. So, yeah, food waste really trying to eliminate food waste from our lives uh, is is a great one. And, and Jeff or Shannon, maybe you can you have that number offhand the proportion of food that is actually wasted. While just yeah. looking it up. I have just one thing is like so I've been part of the audits at the landfill and we have seen full pizzas when we low open people's garbages or like a full head of lettuce that's just slightly wilted. So to your point, Ian, it is that that is a place where people definitely can find efficiencies, financial and um, waste reduction. Sorry. And then Jeff, I don't know if you've got the number in front of you. Yeah, so from our last waste audit, um, we found that in single family homes in, in Squamish, about 10% of your waste was avoidable food waste. And in multifamily homes, it was just over 16.5% of the waste that was avoidable food waste. So that's, food that's that would have been all garbage out of all garbage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, for those small businesses, for the food producers in town um, from ICI waste, uh, over 15% of that was avoidable food waste. So 15% of your garbage was of avoidable food waste. So for those small businesses, uh, particularly the, the food and beverage businesses, that's money, or sorry, that's food that you've prepared and has gone directly into the garbage. Wow. And that's, and so when Jeff says avoidable food waste, we're not talking like a half eaten apple per se. It's, it's food that could have been served that has been thrown into the garbage. That's wow. what avoidable food waste is. Yeah, and for people that are interested, if you go to the Love Food Hate Waste website, uh, they've got lots of great tips. Um, in particular, what I found useful there was some, some tips on how to organize your fridge. So uh, what uh, produce is gonna stay freshest in the crispers, what's going to stay best on the counter, um, and what's going to stay best in the higher or lower parts of your fridge. I had no idea how my fridge actually worked, and it was completely eye-opening. <laughs> and they also have some really great recipes for, like, if you've got a bunch of leftover random food in your fridge, what are some kind of good recipes to make? So, for example, like a curry or uh, a berry crisp or something like that, where you can kind of take kind of scraps of different food and put it together and create a delicious meal. So they've got recipes on Love Food Hate Waste website. 
And there's some really innovative stuff going on regarding kind of circular economy and food and equity in, in Squamish. Do you mind just talking about that a little bit more? Yeah, so the local organization uh, under one roof um, where the Squamish Food Bank is located, they do a lot of really great work uh, about what's called food recovery. Um, so that's food uh, that they collect from uh, some of the local grocers as well as a couple local local restaurants that otherwise would have been um, either put to landfill or, or put into the compost that they're actually recovering. So they're saving that food and depending on what kind of uh, uh, state it's in, like how fresh it is. It's either getting cooked that same day uh, in their kitchen uh, to give to community members, uh, or it's going to the food bank for people to be able to collect and take home. Um, so they're collecting a lot of food that way. Um, and, and really, if we go back to that waste hierarchy, uh, they're working way up at that reduced bit. So even though, um, so that food's not going to the compost facility, it's not going to the landfill, it's actually getting eaten, uh, which is obviously a much better use for that. Uh, than, than turning it into compost. So Under One Roof is doing a lot of really great work in that field. Great. Yeah, before before we wrap things up, is there is there anything that that either of you feel a burning desire to to share or discuss further? I think we've we've covered a pretty good gambit of topics here. Uh, I'll take the time to talk a little bit about contamination in the curbside recycling. Um, so this is something we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Um, but it's a key part of our waste reduction strategies in Squamish. Uh, so when our curbside recycling gets contaminated, um, some that contamination and some of the associated recycling, depending on what the contamination is, is all going to end up in the landfill. Um, so when, when there's a contaminated bin, it, it's uh, taking away from other people's waste diversion efforts. So it's really important uh, for all members of the community to just be putting um, printed paper and packaging products into their uh, curbside totes. So if it's not packaging, um, it shouldn't be going in there, even if it is a recyclable material. So, you know, scrap metal is definitely recyclable, um, but it needs to be taken to either the scrap metal yard or to the metal bin at the landfill. It can't go into your curbside bin um, because that's considered contamination. And that bin is really only set up to be taking uh, packaging material. And if you have questions, as Ian mentioned, we have a great app. The Waste Wizard is in the curbside collection app. And Jeff and I are behind the scenes consistently updating it. And if you have questions, you can submit questions through it. So, um, you know, you can ask if something's collected or suggest things that it might be missing. So please, um, please ask if you're confused. Yeah, and that app's available for Android or Apple. Uh, if you go into the app stores, just search for Squamish curbside and it should come up. Yeah. Great. Yeah, the a term both of you have used that I've learned from you is uh, is wish cycling. I find that so interesting, that idea that people are think they're doing the right thing by being very optimistic in what can be recycled, but are in fact in contaminating larger amounts. So it's a really important thing not to do. To, to actually take the time to figure out if it can be recycled or not. And if it can't be recycled, putting it in the recycling is actually a negative environmental decision. Great. Well, Shannon and Jeff, uh, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of your expertise and experience with us with us today. Uh, I feel like waste is 
you know, it's, it's definitely something we've got to continue to work on very hard in Squamish. We've got a long way to go, but really exciting to hear about all that's happening with regards to construction waste, with regards to, to food waste, community programs, and what uh, what individual citizens are doing. So yeah, we've got a lot to do to get us down to that 80% uh, diversion rates and 300 kilograms per person, but uh, I for one am confident that we can get there and basically feel that we need to get there. Great. Thanks for having Thank us. You.